you guys are here because I'm very, very, very excited because we are starting a brand new six-week-long series called Bless Your Heart. If you grew up in the South, you know that this is a very loaded phrase to say bless your heart. It has a wide array of meanings. Like You can say it to, like, to cuss somebody out, or you can really say to bless someone's heart. But it has such a wide array of meanings. And even when we think about the heart itself, like think about it. We say, you know, let me God bless your heart. Or you, somebody might say, you know, you should follow your heart. The heart is kind of like a word, seems like a churchy word, but you kind of hear it be thrown around a lot back and forth. And maybe we really don't understand, like, what does it really mean, the heart? But before we get into any of that, let's first all admit, none of us like to be told what to do. None of us like to be told what to do. And I have my two-and-a-half-year-old daughter who can prove it. But that's not just a baby thing. That's a human thing. That's independent of age. None of us like to be told what to do. And for a lot of people, a lot of people say, you know what, I want to become my own boss. I want to do my own thing because I don't want someone to tell me what to do. I want to do my own thing. And think about it. Like part of the American dream is autonomy. Is that I want to do what I want to do, when I want to do it, and I want to have the money to give me that freedom to make my own shots. And I actually want to have the freedom that just in case I do get caught or in trouble with anything, I have the money to get me out. That's, a, that's autonomy, that I'm in full control. This is part of the American dream. But we deceive ourselves by telling us this. Once I'm able to make all my own shots, I'll call all the right shots. I keep on making bad decisions because, you know, other people are giving me bad advice or other people are telling me these things are kind of manipulating me or deceiving me. But once I'm able to make my own shots, man, that's when I'll be making all the right shots. Because I'm, not, I'm, I'm, I'm following what's true to me. I'm following my own heart. This is when I'm going to make all the right shots because it's only reliant on me. When we do that, and then we end up getting in trouble by making the decisions that we make, we're getting in trouble not because we didn't take someone else's advice. It's because we took our own advice. We end up regretting the decision we make, not just because we took someone else's advice, it's because we end up taking our own advice. For many of us, including myself, all of us really, we all fall into traps that pull us into making like an impulse decision, or to make that move, or to do this, or to do that, or to look here, or to, to, to date this, whatever the case might be, we all make decisions that pull us, but it might be driven by a certain trap or emotion that pulls at our heart. And we don't have a clear conscience of making the right decision, but we're pulled and we manipulate and we convince ourselves and we de deceive ourselves saying, yeah, this is right because this is what's in my heart. This is what's best for me. And we get pulled by various emotions. Our heart gets pulled by various things that want to take control. But think about it. We become masters on knowing how to monitor our behavior. We become masters. Like we know when it comes to church, we know how to be Christian. We know how to be Christian in church. We know how to monitor our behavior. We know how to say the right things in order to impress that person. We know how to act the right way on that first date to make sure I get that second date. I know what to say at that interview to make sure I get a second interview. I know how, we know how to monitor our behaviors to put on this, 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 this image of who we are. Maybe there's things pulling out our heart for having the wrong motive. But we do a good job of knowing how to control our behaviors. That's a gift that we have as humans. We know how to, to cover up things in order to get what we want. 
we become masters of monitoring our behavior. Bear with me for the next 90 seconds as I go over some Greek philosophy, which is the integral part of ancient Christianity. If we simplify who we are as human beings, there is an intellect part of who we are, and there is a nous part of who we are. Nous is a Greek word, which means the soul, but it's more than that. It's the eye of the soul. Let me, let me, let's, let's talk about the obvious first. The intellect is our rationale. We're able to, to, like, we have certain brain synapses that make us say, okay, I need to do this, I need to do that. There's an intellectual component of who we are, which is a little bit more clear. There's an also spiritual component of who we are. Regardless of your ideology or worldview, there is inside every single human being, by divine design, there's a curiosity of, there has to be more to life than this. Why am I here in the first place? Where did I come from? What am I good at? Like, I should feel like I have something to contribute to this world, but I don't know what. Those questions that every human being, either they admit to verbalizing that or they don't, Every single human being is questioning, has those questions rolling in them, consciously or subconsciously, verbally or not. It's there. That part of what, what makes up every human being is the soul. And the, the core of our soul, Greek philosophers have put the word nous, which is the eye of the soul. This is the part that desires to interact with the divine. This is the part that's looking for more, is our nous. We are torn all the time between the two. By the divine design, originally, God, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, the triune God, created there to be this beautiful dance between our news and our intellect, that both are working toward the divine. But then through our brokenness, we say, well, if God was really there, he would make it super clear. If, if he really exists, then I would be able to understand him through my intellect. And we would completely dismiss the newest part of who we are. But in reality, both have to go hand in hand. That I pursue God through my soul looking for something more. The deep part of my heart is looking for something more. But I also can approach him intellectually or philosophically as well. Both have to go hand in hand. This is why Jesus, one of his most famous sermons, he said, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Those who have a pure heart that has a desire for seeking more, that are wanting to, 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 to lean in toward God, this is the news. But sometimes our intellect covers over our soul. Or our intellect says, nah, man, and communion? Nah, that stuff's not real. And our, because I, just because I don't understand it, that stuff is fake. And what do you mean? Like, a, what do you mean Jesus did supernatural things? You talk about this, what, what, all that stuff? If my intellect can't take it, then the intellect over, you know, completely dismisses or completely pushes down our soul. Because if I can't understand it logically, that's going to overpower our news. But in reality, by divine design, both are supposed to be working hand in hand. Sometimes our news, our soul, our heart seeking more becomes defiled. Because our intellect creeps down. And if you look actually at the writings of the early Christians... They have these beautiful meditations and beautiful writings of how prayer is where my intellect goes down into my soul. Where what, what leads me in prayer is my spirit, is my soul. This is what leads. But it's where I put my intellect, I allow it to be suppressed in order for my soul to connect with God. 
that it's not purely just based on intellect. That both work together, but it's my spirit that's leading, and my intellect goes below that. But this is a huge subject. But I want to give just a very high level of, of two components of who we are. Let me put this big disclaimer. I'm assuming you're here because you have some type of interest in knowing who Jesus is. Regardless if you believe he is divine or not, let's put that aside. But if there is a man who predicts his own death, overcomes death himself, and has breakfast on the beach the next morning, maybe we should take what he says with a little bit of interest or a little bit of seriousness. And what I would love to do is for us to look at a very unique encounter that Jesus had something that's written by, so we have four records of Jesus' life, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Some of them are eyewitnesses. Some of them are, are, are second eyewitnesses, or second people to see the life of Jesus. So I would like to look for us to look at the, a record of a first eyewitness, a person that had a tough upbringing, you know, a tough background, who ended up becoming a follower of Jesus, and his name is Matthew. And Matthew had this very unique encounter that he experienced that Jesus had with some hot-shot uh, hot uh, Pharisees, like the, 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 the top-shot religious people of the town. Then some Pharisees and teachers of the law, man, they know their Torah, man, they know it. Teachers of the law, they came to Jesus from Jerusalem. So they came out of the way from Jerusalem, they're coming to me where Jesus is, and they asked, why do your disciples break the tradition of the elders? They don't wash their hands before they eat. Pause. Let me give you some historical and cultural context of why the leaders of the law are coming to Jesus and saying, why are your disciples not washing their hands? So there is the Torah, which, which we know as the Old Testament. At the time when Moses received the, the Ten Commandments, the elders or the leaders of, of, of the group there started to add or, the oral Torah, which are non-written rules and customs and rituals that kind of go around the Ten Commandments. And they started adding these things to the people for them to do. And this kind of was passed down. Like, it was never written, but it was kind of passed down as the oral Torah. You can look it up, uh, what the oral Torah is. And this was passed down through the generations as, as, as the Jews kind of progressed. And then the, 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 the leaders of the law, the, 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 the hotshot Jewish leaders, who knew not just the Torah, but they knew the hidden stuff, they knew the oral Torah, they're coming to Jesus and saying, hey, you're followers. A lot of these guys are Jewish men. How come they're not following the oral Torah? They're supposed to be following tradition. How come they're not doing that? What is Jesus' response? The vast majority of Jesus' responses fall into two categories. Either he answers with a question, or he changes the subject, or he doesn't answer. Jesus replied, Why do you break the command of God for the sake of your tradition? Why, why do you break the commandment of God just because of the, the, the pettiness of them washing their hand or not? Jesus tells him, you nullify the word of God for the sake of your tradition. You hypocrites. You nullify the word of God. You completely dismiss the word of God. You dismiss what was given to Moses. You completely dismiss the Torah itself. You dismiss that for the sake of your tradition. You know what? Isaiah was right. He's like, you guys know that. You guys know the custom. You know the law. You know the Torah. You know what Isaiah said. He was right when he prophesied about you. And he quotes from the book of Isaiah to maybe kind of open their eyes. Maybe Jesus is telling them this, but then to kind of open their eyes for them to realize, because Jesus knows that they memorized this. He's like, you know, Isaiah was right what he said about you. These people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. They worship me in vain. 
their teachings are merely human rules. They have turned religion into a game. The leaders have turned religion into a game. Do this, don't do this. You better make sure you do this. Remember, the oral Torah says this, so you better do that. And they've turned it into a game. Unfortunately, many religious leaders, even until today, do this. That's all about doing this, about doing that. People have walked away from the faith because they just dumbed down what is Christianity to a bunch of do this and don't do that. And this is how they've, uh, this is how it's been taught to them. This is how they embrace it. And they said, man, I'm done with this. It's not about a relationship. It's all about doing this and don't do that. Jesus then drops a bomb. Jesus called the crowd to him. He said, listen and understand what I'm about to say. You got it all wrong. Come here, please have a seat. Let's chat for a second. What goes into someone's mouth does not defile them. But what comes out of their mouth, this is what defiles them. And they're like, okay, we're talking about, like, should we wash our hands? Should we not? And you're talking about, like, the digestive system? What's going on? Then the disciples came to him, and, 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 and so Jesus dropped that bomb, and then he walked away. He dropped the bomb. So let's go back to the bomb that he dropped. He said, what goes into someone's mouth does not defile them, but what comes out of their mouth, this is the issue. It's not what's coming in. It's what's going out is the issue. Jesus says it, drops the mic, and walks away. Then the disciples came to him and said, uh, Jesus, didn't you know that the Pharisees were like offended when you said that? Imagine, people are coming to the Son of God, coming to Jesus. I, I don't. Did you know that, like, you know, you kind of left things not in, in a good place. Like they're kind of like upset. They're telling God, didn't you know? Jesus says, "Leave them. They are blind guides. If the blind lead the blind, both will fall into a pit." Jesus is saying, "I'm here to give life. If you want to accept it, okay, great. But if you're so blinded by wanting to do things your way, okay." That's your deal. Let the blind lead the blind. Peter said, Jesus, I know you like you like to speak with imagery. I know you speak with a lot of analogies, and I know you're a good storyteller, but can, can, can you kind of like decode this, this parable? Can you explain this to us? Like, I can't really make sense of what this is. Are you still so dull? Jesus asked him. Don't you see that whatever enters the mouth goes into the stomach and then out of the body? And I'm sure the disciples are like, uh, yeah, we're not that dull. But the things that come out of a person's mouth come from the heart. And these defile them. Again, Jesus says, don't you see that whatever enters the mouth goes into the stomach and then out of the body? But the things that come out of a person's mouth come from the heart. This is the issue. And many people say, and I've, I've fallen to this myself, sometimes I say things I don't mean. Sometimes I say things I, didn't, I don't mean. Right? Don't we say that? But really, what we're really saying is sometimes I say things I didn't mean to say out loud. It's there. And it's, uh, did I really say that out loud? It's there. It's there. It's, it's turning, it's moving inside our heart. There's some cloudiness inside our noose. There's something cloudiness in, the, in our soul that was, that was designed to be pure, designed to see God with full clarity, but now has become clouded. 
by our selfishness, by our pride, by our anger, by our lust. I didn't mean to say that. Really. I didn't mean to say that out loud. Just continues. For out of the heart, out of the heart, out of the defiled noose, from that, from the defiled heart, comes evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false testimony, slander. Wow, these are big things, Jesus. In St. Mark's account of him recording this, so St. Mark, our patron saint, who got his record from the, from the mouth of Peter, he says this, he adds these, adultery, greed, malice, deceit, lewdness, envy, slander, arrogance, and folly. You know what folly is? Poor decisions. You just make bad decisions in life. All of that comes from the heart. Jesus says, these are what defile a person. But eating with unwashed hands, that, that, that's not the issue. It's what's coming from the heart. This is what defiles. What comes out is the issue, not what goes in. Some people say, well, you know, you know, I, I haven't been reading my Bible, so I need to come and confess to God about that, or I haven't been praying. <laughs> the issue is not what's coming out, or what's coming in. The issue, it is what is coming out. The church, in her wisdom, in the depth, and the beauty of the, our ancient pre-denominational faith, is the church gives us so much to guide us for intake, for nourishment, for that to equip me to be an image of who he is, for me to connect with my heavenly father, for me to have full clarity. The church has given me all that for me to have full clarity. When people say, oh, I'm sorry for coming late to church. That, that, that's you, it's not on me. You come, that's on you. That has nothing to do with me. That you want spiritual food, that's, that, that, it, that, that's on you. The issue is not what's coming in. The issue is what's coming out. You can do the motions. It's super easy. Do your whole Bible thing. Do your whole prayer thing. Do your whole church thing. Do your whole service thing. It's easy to just do that. But that's the issue. Jesus is saying, it's not about the, the, the doing. Yeah, you want to wash your hands. That's great. It's not about that. The issue is what is coming out. Because from the cloudiness of your heart, from the things that are pulling, that are wanting to take control, this is where issues come. This is where grief, this is where anger comes, this is from where lust comes from. This is where those issues are coming from. It's time for us to tell the things that want to take control of our heart, anger, greed, those things that are wanting to take control of our heart, it's for us to tell them. You're not the boss. You can't, can't take control. My heart, my design, was supposed to seek full clarity of who God is to me. That is my pursuit, and for it to not fall into traps. When, so my, my daughter's like two and a half years old. I, I like, I don't read that much about like parenting things, but my wife does, and she tells me what we need to do, and I say, okay. So there is, she told me from now on, like, we can't say, Ruth, you're a good girl. She told us we can't say that anymore. If she does something good, you're a good girl. If you do something bad, you're a bad girl. And I was like, okay, that's kind of weird. Like, I kind of grew up always saying that, I, realizing I was a bad boy, but now I guess that. But, so, but then she explained to me, and it makes total sense, and I ended up reading the article. She is already good. Because her father, her heavenly father, said she's good. Nothing can take that away. By design, she's good. But when she does something good, I say, you have a kind heart, Ruth. 
And I say, like, I tell her, you know, whatever. She picks up after herself. Yeah, you have a kind heart. Or she shares, like, her extra toy with someone. I say, you have a kind heart, Ruth. She's like, okay, whatever. Like, it's kind of, but we're wanting to teach her from now. And I love it. It's like, she's already good. She's good because her heavenly father said she's good because he created her. She's already good. Nothing can take that away. But when she falls and slips and does something that she, that, that, that's, that's pulling at her heart for her to be selfish, it's like, it's okay. You know, I, I'll say, it's okay. You know, you should share because you have a kind heart. Because I'm wanting to teach her she's already good because your, your creator said you're good. We want our heart. Our heart, what comes under distorted by selfishness and anger and these things that kind of pull at us, we want to remove that. This is our focus for our next six weeks, our next remaining five weeks. It's for our heart to be blessed. We want our heart to be divine. We want our heart not to be pulled by so many things, by, by selfishness, by anger, by lust. We don't want that to be pulled anymore. We want to remove all that. This is our focus as we grow together, to remove all that. I want my heart to be back to its original design, for it to grow with my intellect to see the beauty of who God is. There is an early Christian named of St. Gregory of Nyssa. Talk about him today during the liturgy. And he, he had two other brothers who became well-known church fathers. And, and he said this, before there was even such a thing as the Bible, before there was such a thing as the Bible, he said this, in the year 320. This is an icon of him from the 14th century. He said this. The man who purifies the eye of his soul, which is the noose, the man who purifies the eye of his soul will enjoy an immediate vision of God. Isn't that beautiful? The man who purifies the eye of his soul purifies from all the things that are trying to pull at him, trying to take control. The man who purifies the eye of his soul will enjoy an immediate vision of God. This teaches us that the man who purifies his heart of every passionate impulse will see the image of the divine nature in his own beauty. Again, this teaches us that the man who purifies his heart of every passionate impulse will see the image of the divine nature in his own beauty. You must then wash away by a life of virtue the dirt which has clung to your heart like plaster, and then your divine beauty will once again shine forth. Isn't that nice? My focus, as I grow in my life group, and I hope that you do sign up for a life group, is that let's do this together. Let's figure out what are the things pulling on me. Why did I really say that? What was my motive of really texting that? What was my real motive by emailing that? What really? What, what's my what's my real reason? What's that cloudiness? What's that impulse that's that's sticking to my heart like plaster? What is that? I want to remove that. I want to go back to my divine design of how my heart should be. I want to get to that. Why did I really ignore that? Why did I really talk that? Really? For us to figure out what that is. And over the next five weeks, we're gonna we're gonna spend one week on greed, on lust, on anger. And the things that kind of pull at all of us in some shape or form, for us to kind of dissect what is that that's pulling, that's wanting to take control of my heart. So that way, our heart can come back to being divine. Our heart to be blessed. Bless your heart. Let's do this together.
Let's do this again. Let's grow together. We finish, ask the person next to you, what life group are you signing up? And let's grow together. We'll, 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 each week, we'll split on one trap of one thing that's trying to pull at us, one emotion that's trying to pull us down. And then we'll break it down in our life. Let's stand up together for a prayer. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, amen. Lord, there are tons of things that are always pulling at our hearts. And maybe we don't realize, I don't realize, why did I say that? Why did I act like that? Why did I respond in that way? Just to get back at somebody? What's inside of me that's kind of pulling at my heart that's wanting to take control? The God, you created us in such a beautiful way for our for our our. our our, our soul and our mind to work together to seek you, to find that divine beauty which is only found in you. And the only way for me to find the fullness of life which is found in you requires me to kind of assess where, what is pulling on my heart. What's that weight that's tugging at me? Lord, I am grateful for all our life group leaders. Lord, I ask that you guide them as we get together in different living rooms throughout this week, over the next five weeks, over the next six weeks, for us to grow together. And for us to just really be open and real with each other. What are the things pulling at us? And when we do that, this is where we can find freedom. This is where we can find life. This is where we can find you. As we remove just that cloudiness from our heart. Through the prayers of all your saints, Lord, hear us as we pray together, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. In Christ Jesus our Lord, for thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Thank you, everybody. Please do sign up for our life group. All right, begins tomorrow. All the details are at the connection table in the back.